Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. You're listening to episode 21 of Star Wars Bookworms, your source for discussion and reviews of the new Star Wars releases from Dark Horse Comics and Delray Books. I am one of your hosts, Aaron Goins, and I am joined here by my co-host, Teresa Delgado. How are you doing tonight, Teresa? I'm good, Aaron. How are you? I'm doing good. So we have a guest on today, somebody that we have tried to get on the show multiple times, but due to scheduling issues or whatever, it just hasn't worked out. He is from Jedi News UK and writes for the Star Wars Insider and Star Wars blog and everything else that I can think of that I want to do at some point. And he is Mark Newbold. Hey, buddy. Hey, dude. How are you? I'm good. That's so weird to hear you say dude. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad I'm finally on because we must have tried to do this about about. Oh, I don't know how many times, loads of times. It just It's just never quite worked out for some reason, has it, this one? I don't know why. Oh, you know, it's that whole English-America thing and the oh. time difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you say that. I mean, right now it's 12 minutes past four for me in the morning. So it's, uh, yeah, uh, this shows you how much I wanted to be on the show. There you go. Well, we appreciate it. Yeah, we're really happy to have you on, Mark. You're actually one of the... Nice. I have to say, you're one of the nicest people that I've ever met in person. I met you at. <laughs> I've met you at a couple conventions now, but I remember specifically. Uh, I think it was Fan Days. Yeah, we that, had lunch, didn't we? Yeah, we had lunch together. I was eating my grilled cheese, and yeah, so That's I was. I, re- I remember uh, you being an extremely nice guy. So really happy to have you on. Well, only nice because I didn't nick all your food. That's why. <laughs> at least not when I was looking. <laughs> No, I remember that day well. I was talking about fan days the other day to somebody, so that was a was a good week, a good weekend. That was good fun. Definitely, that was a really fun time. It really was. So on this episode, we're going to be discussing a couple different comic volumes. We're going to be doing uh, Legacy Volume Two, Prisoner of the Floating World, and Darth Vader and the Ninth Assassin. And as always, our spoiler policy is we typically wait at least a month after release date to review any book or comic. If we are reviewing it today, expect full spoilers. And we wanted to start off the show on, it's kind of a sad note, um, but we felt that we definitely needed to do it. And that was to discuss how we remember Aaron Alston. And I know, I think all of us have met him. I don't know, Mark, if you ever did. Yeah, yeah, I did, yeah. Okay, so we've all met him, and I thought it would be really cool to share one of our, you know, stories that we have about him. So, Aaron, why don't you start? Okay, um, yeah, you know, like Teresa said, it's very sad news, very unexpected, um, you know, heartbreaking news to hear that that we have lost uh, Aaron Alston, who is uh, one of the one of the I would say, if not the most popular one of the most popular Star Wars authors, uh, at least with fans. And, um, yeah, like Teresa said, we, you know, we kind of wanted to share some stories. So for me specifically, I, I've met him a few times and I know the first time that I met him was at Star Wars Celebration 5 and, you know, just kind of 
had a fanboy moment. It was like, oh, this is, you know, Aaron Alston, one of my favorite Star Wars authors. Hope he, you know, I wanted to go get a picture with him. So, you know, I walked up, asked him for a picture. He was really nice, uh, you know, took a picture with me and then, you know, went on to introduce me to some other people in the area. You know, I was at the con by myself. And, you know, I think he probably noticed that, you know, I was by myself. And so he was introducing me to other fans of the books and people that were in the area. And I was really, you know, impressed with his kindness and was like, wow, you know, he didn't really have to give me the time of day, but he was, you know, you know, really nice. And then um, I met him again at Celebration 6 and actually had a chance to sit down with him and talk. Uh, you know, it was at the, the TFN party, actually. I was with Eric Geller kind of just hanging out at the party and we noticed him sitting at a table all by himself and so we just took the opportunity to go over there and sit down with him and you know we just started talking about Star Wars books and he was he was super nice and just you know talked to us in depth about you know his writing and the different you know novels he's written and you know I think it was kind of in the middle of of the Fate of the Jedi series at the time so he was kind of giving us some you know inside information on that and you know just treating us like we were old friends and it really stuck with me um, you know, how great of a, a, you know, person he was and how nice he was. And he was just a brilliant man. And, you know, like I said before, it was just really, it, it was sad to hear of, of his passing and it, it really did hit me, uh, pretty hard. And it's still kind of hard for me to, to wrap my mind around it. Yeah. So that's kind of some of my memories of him. Mark, what about you? Uh, yeah. Um, I, I met him a couple of times, um, met him at Fan Days, uh, which we were just talking about, obviously, uh, and Celebration. But um, first time I dealt with, with Aaron was quite a long time ago, actually. It was about 14 years ago, back in 2000, when I was doing my old site, Lightsaber. Uh, he was the fourth person that I interviewed, so um, so it was quite early for me in, in terms of interviewing people. And it was all done via those first that first interview was all done via email. So I didn't actually speak to him, like I say, till, till sort of 2011. In, in sort of face to face, but um, you know, just just general sort of friendly emails back and forth, sort of tidying up and pulling together this little uh, interview that I got on on Lightsaber, and then about seven years later, he was the first person that I managed to interview again. So uh, he was the first person I'd, I'd interviewed twice, and again that was via email. But because they'd in the intervening years been you know the odd uh, email backwards and forwards, you know, if if I needed assistance getting in touch with somebody else sometimes people will say well ask Aaron and and you know so the odd email will go back and forth so it was always it was very cordial and friendly so it was nice uh, in 2011 when we were guys as I say we're all at, in Texas for fan days uh, I was able to sort of wander up to his table when they were all on that far wall sort of doing their little signings and say hi it's Mark from Lightsaber and Jedi News and he, he obviously well, I say obviously because he dealt with a lot of people, but he, he he knew who I was, and so we had a nice quick little chat, and then we did a piece that that actually only recently went in the Insider. So so I can't pretend to have known him very well, and there wasn't a huge amount of interaction, but for what it was, it was always very pleasant and friendly, and and like I say, like Aaron says, you know, never heard a bad word about the guy, you know, um, see, and and was certainly well loved, and, and yeah, um, real terrible shock to think, you know. I was only 53, I think, so no age, absolutely no age. It was so much, uh, I mean, he didn't just write Star Wars, he wrote other stuff, but there was so much more Star Wars to come out of Aaron that uh, obviously we'll never we'll never get to read, so real, real shame. Yeah, I don't know even where to start. 
I the first time I ever heard him on a panel was actually at Fan Days, and Aaron, you may remember that it was the one you and I were sitting together watching with him, and I think it was Timothy's on. Yeah. Um, so that was the first time I ever got to hear him speak, and everything he said was always so captivating, and he just had a way of describing things so that you could really, you know, understand where he was coming from and why he does the things that he does as an author. And it was just awe-inspiring. And then the first time I ever actually got to meet him was at Star Wars Reads Day. And I want to say it was Reads Day 2011. It might have been Reads Day 2012. And he actually lived um, in a smaller town right north, about 15 minutes north of where I lived. And so we grew up, you know, all in the same area cause he's from Texas too. And so he would attend these events at Barnes and Noble and he was there and I got to hear him talk with Drew Carpishan and some of the other people from Bioware. And once all that was over, I got a chance to go up and ask him if I could do a short interview. And there was a line of people, and so I didn't want to take up too much of his time. But he was so kind and so nice to, you know, let me record on my phone about two and a half minutes of audio. And, you know, in hindsight, I wish I had taken more time. I wish that I had waited for all the people to sort of cycle through so that I could have sat down with him for longer. And I also didn't even think to take pictures with the authors. And so I don't even have a picture. So that kind of stinks. Um, but, you know, Aaron, maybe we can put the you know audio that I have at the end after the credits and stuff for the show. Um, it's not much, but it's, you know... It's something. I guess it's better to have something than nothing. But yeah, and it's awesome that you got to interview him, even though it was only you know a couple minutes. I think that's really cool that you have that audio. And you know, I really wish we had had the chance to have him on our show at some point in the past year. And I really regret not you know making that happen. Yeah, me too. And I just loved everything that he did. And to be honest, I haven't read all of his books because I haven't read, um, you know the legacy of the forest that's the one he did like all those like fury and exile and stuff right right um so i haven't read those um and i haven't read the x-wing books but i read outcast and um i think there's something else of his that i've read but like outcast was awesome and i loved it i loved every minute of that book so he means a lot to the fan community and he will truly be missed for sure Definitely. All right. Well, as uh, our listeners probably know, they've probably seen us talking about it on Facebook and Twitter. Um, we do have a giveaway that's going on right now, and it's actually probably going to end before this episode airs, but we will announce the the winners of the, the giveaway. We have four copies of Honor Among Thieves that were uh, given to us by Delray Books, um, and they are you know, allowing us to give these books away. Um, you know, to support the release of this novel. The release, actually, of the novel was today as we record this. We will be kind of tallying up the the entries, and we will announce the, the winners um, within, or by March 7th. Uh, so that will be coming up. Um, but also, Teresa, we have something else that's kind of exciting, that, that kind of a, a brainchild of yours. Do you want to kind of explain that to our listeners? 
Sure. Um, so we are starting the Star Wars Bookworms Book Club. And basically what this is is your ability to read along with a book um, each month with other people and be able to discuss it. And we thought it would be good, you know, considering we don't have a whole lot of new books that we are aware of at this point coming out. And this would be a neat way to dive back into some of the EU that maybe some of us haven't read ever or haven't read in a long time. So how the book club is going to work is we have a book club group on Goodreads. So go to goodreads.com and you're looking for Star Wars Bookworms Book Club. And you can join the book club there. We are actually in the process of voting for the first book. We discussed starting with an Aaron Alston book, but um, we had a lot of you know suggestions for a couple other books. So there is a vote going on right now. It is between Wraith Squadron... Truce at Bakura, and Luke Skywalker in the Shadows of Mendor. You can also go over to our Facebook page, and we have the vote going on there. But we are going to be discussing the books in the Goodreads book club, so you're going to need to sign up for an account on Goodreads. And we will post on our Facebook page when there's new discussion topics and stuff like that. We're also going to be doing retro reviews of older books on the show, probably starting in June. So you can expect them like how we do our normal reviews, but we'll be doing some retro reviews. And we've discussed a couple of things of, you know, maybe doing some kind of like Google layout or something like that as like a, you know, cap to the end of the month discussion on the book. But what we'll do is we'll take the book, we'll split it up by chapters over the four weeks of the month. and we will post discussion topics relative to those chapters and you can get in with your fellow EU fans and discuss a book. Yeah, I'm actually pretty excited about this. And all three books that we have that are, are finalists for the first book club uh, book, I'm actually excited about reading any of them. So no matter which one of them ends up being the one we go with, uh, those are three books that I think will all be good to do. And like Teresa was saying, we, w- we are going to be doing you know, some... So it won't be just in the book club, but also on the show, we will be going back to some of these older novels. So keep, you know, keep some books in mind. If you have some suggestions of novels that you would like us to, to review on the show, let us know. You know, we've gotten a lot of feedback with this giveaway that we're doing right now. One of the entries was to give us an email with some feedback. And a lot of the feedback has been saying that you guys would like us to go back and, and review some older novels. So we're, we're taking that into account and we definitely are planning on doing that in the future. So why don't we dive into interviewing Mark since we finally have him on the show. And we always have to start off with our very first question. And what was your first experience with Star Wars, Mark? Because uh, oh, I'm an old fart, I would have to say uh, going back to 78, early 78 when it first hit the UK. So um, it, uh, I'd mentioned this to somebody recently. It came to the UK kind of kind of in a weird way especially for kids my age I was seven when it came out so it was we were hearing about it on the playground it's where, where kids hear about so many things uh you know this big film that had been hitting the states and we'd started to see little things like toys and, and um more not, not so much toys but sort of photographs and pictures and such in, in the papers and that and then it hit the UK sort of December of 77 uh and it just went nuts it just went crazy the comic came out not that long afterwards which is really where I um, connected with it the most early on uh, as, a, as, a, as a young kid and in the UK we used to get weekly comics as opposed to the monthlies that you guys got 
So I would say it was probably my first experience with Star Wars was, was early Marvel Star Wars weeklies, which I got really into big time. Do all of the movies come out later over there, or do they come out around the same time? Back in the day, the first movies, the first ones, I mean, let's say you got Star Wars in May 77, we got it late December, 27th of December, 78 in the UK. Uh, Empire, I think the world premiere was in the UK, so I think we, we got that pretty much the same time. I might be slightly wrong on the general release, but certainly uh, that was correct. And Jedi, I think you got it in May, we got it in July which was the same with Phantom Menace. I mean, I went to the States to see Phantom Menace and saw it in the main. It didn't come out until the July in the UK, but I think uh, Clones and Sith were pretty much the same. That It was all to do with piracy, video piracy and such. And, and now the flip side is that the UK tends to get, I mean, we certainly get all the Marvel films a week ahead of the States. So it's, it's kind of gone the other way around. Now we, we tend to get films first, um, not always, but, but quite regularly. So, so, but back in the day, yeah, there was quite a disparity between the two. So, um, you certainly had the jump on us then, which is a shame considering, you know, the film most of the films were made here and then, and then had to go the other way to the to the to the west coast to be uh, sort of special affected up by the ILM guys. So, so which of the movies is your favourite? Um, for the longest time, I would have said Star Wars, but then I think back and I was nuts about Jedi after that film came out because I was so desperate for it not to be the last one, which of course at the time it was. But um, but in hindsight, I would have to say for the most time, it would be Empire, uh, which I know seems to be the stock boring answer, but I just think it's got everything. It's just, it's the most beautifully designed film. It just looks amazing. Every, there's no characters in it that you think, oh, you know, there's no Tom Bombadil's in Empire Strikes Back. You know, there's nothing that you want to skip past. Um, it's just it's just an amazing film. The music is just lush all the way through. Um, and you can kind of see the step up in, not quality, because Star Wars is, you know, is near to 10 out of 10 as you're ever going to get for a film, really. But but, um, but I think Empire, you can just see that it's just the next level. And there's not many sequels. I understand why my non-Star Wars fans would say Empire is one of the greatest sequels, because there's just that... Level, level of Star Wars is right up there anyway, stratospheric movie, and then you can see Empire's just that twist of the dial over 10 up to 11, you know, it really is that um, discernible step up, so um, yeah, I just love everything about it, you know, the, the character characterization and the, you know, just the way the film flows, it's just almost a perfect movie. I think, uh, I thought you were going there with Jedi, but then you switched <laughs> over to Empire and then I got sad. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you ever get James Burns on, he will tell you a different answer to me. I'll tell you that. I won't say what he'll say, but he will certainly say a different thing to me. <laughs> Do you have a favorite character of the whole saga? Um, I don't know. It's tough to say. I mean, when when I was a kid and I was doing, I used to write an awful lot of fan fiction. I, I still do, although I don't get anywhere near as much time to do it as I used to. Um. And I would have probably said that that character would have been Lando because I've always connected with his character uh, very closely. And I love writing Lando. Um, I think I kind of get his voice. I think <laughs> not that that many people have read my stuff, so I might be completely wrong. But um, but I'd have to say on the face of it over the over the movies, I would probably say Han Solo with with Ben Kenobi becoming a close second. Um, Han Solo, when, when he's when he's done right, is awesome. Um, and I know we're not talking about Honor Among Thieves and, I, and I've blasted through it but i think they find the voice of hans Solo in that book very very well um uh, as did scoundrels um, early last year so uh, it's a tough voice to find i think because you can you can very easily just slip into the whole hey kid sort of thing and it just becomes 
you know, let's take this quote here and that quote, you know, cookie cutter Star Wars, you know, it, it's nothing worse. It's, it's trite and tacky, but, but when they get it right, it can be really good. And, um, Han Solo as a character, I think if you look at the films, especially obviously the original three and hopefully episode seven, if he does make an appearance, which we all hope he does, um, he had a character arc that was very distinct. If, if you subscribe to the theory that Han shot first, as opposed to Greedo shooting first, um, you know, it goes from that, that tough rogue, hard edged, you know, you know, kind of used to living in the gutter and scrabbling around for a living and, you know, living a quite a hard life as, as a smuggler to go from that, picking up these guys for a taxi fare, basically to take him to Alderaan to give him the keys to his, you know, to his starship, to the guy that turned him into a coffee table in the previous film. So, so it's a massive arc that he's got that I, I think he's diminished if you take out the fact that he shot first because that's the guy he was in Star Wars. They were dealing with a ruffian and a rogue and a pirate whose actions are tempered by what he's seen and what he does and meeting Leia and almost having a brother in Luke. And, and you know, it's, it's uh, yeah, I think it's a fascinating character, but only if you stick to that original view of, of what Han Solo was in, in A New Hope. I don't think Aaron would agree with you there, Aaron. <laughs> what, about Han Solo? Yeah, but Han's shooting first. Oh, no, he didn't shoot first, but we all can see that. It's proven on film. <laughs> People can oh, deny it all that. they want, I but that's that, what, that that's you're the like truth. the one person I know. <laughs> you're the one person I know that has that opinion. <laughs> it's not an opinion, it's a fact. Yeah, you know you are. You're absolutely right. They, they changed it, and now what? What is what we see on the screen is what happened to Han Solo. So that's what I say. You are absolutely right, and there's no arguing with it. That's Han Solo didn't shoot first Greedo, or they shot at the same time, or whatever. But um, but yeah, I, I just subscribe to the view that original '77 film where he shot first. He shot him in cold blood under the table. Han shot first. He was taking him out. He was gonna. He was a threat. You know, that's Han Solo, and I think that serves his character up far better than Greedo shooting at the same time and missing because just it just makes him look like no threat whatsoever um you yeah, know I don't know maybe Ben Kenobi knew it was happening and it made him miss with the force maybe that's what happened hey I completely agree with you I, I think it's better storytelling that he did shoot first but unfortunately George has changed it so we have to kind of go with absolute go with it yeah yeah totally yeah but so you mentioned honor among thieves uh do you read a lot of the EU or do you kind of pick and choose certain things uh, I used to read an awful lot of it back in the day, back in, I mean, starting right back from sort of Splinters and, and the original Solo trilogy and, and right through, really kind of right through to the end of the Bantam days. Um, I, I had read absolutely everything pretty much. I think it was only a couple of bits I never got to. I don't think I read the Carillion trilogy. Um, just a couple of bits that I'd missed um, when it was just becoming just getting to the point where it's hard to keep up with everything. And then obviously Delray have done such a brilliant job with their, um, their publishing campaign. Um, I can't even pretend to have read everything that, that uh, has come out since, since then. Um, but I do read as much as I possibly can um, in depth. But uh, I think it's just the nature of, you know, doing stuff on Jedi news and, and, and everything else that I just tend to have to kind of skim read it, which is a horrible way of reading a book because you're not getting all the depth and all the nuances, but you're getting just enough so you can kind of have a view on it. Um, so yeah, so I'm kind of, I kind of have to hit books really hard and just uh, get a flavor of it because there's just so much to do. I mean, I'm very lucky on Jedi News in that I've built up a bit of a, a reviewing team, certainly for the comics. Um, 
so that we've got some coverage on the site and I, I read as and, and review as much as I can, but uh, definitely don't get to read as much as I would like to. I mean, the last book that I sat down in depth and read cover to cover and, and nailed every word and, <laughs> and can vouch for that would probably be Kenobi. Um, uh, and I wish it wasn't so. I wish I did have time to read everything in detail. But uh, but yeah, I've uh, over the years I've, I've I've read a fair bit, and I'm 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 conversant enough with with what's going on. But uh, but yeah, not as much as I'd like to be. So, do you have a favorite novel or a favorite comic series? Yeah, I guess I would say the favorite novel, and it's it's horribly corny, but it, it is probably the Han Solo trilogy, the Daily trilogy. I love the AC Christian trilogy. I thought they added a lot of depth but I think the era that that came out in it was one of those books that fell victim to the difference between the the Brian Daly trilogy would be Han Solo pulled out his blaster and shot the alien and the AC Crispin trilogy would be Han Solo pulled out his P-48 Type 3 blaster and shot the green blah 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 you know it was too much detail it was too much they were too in becoming too deep and that's not knocking and Crispin at all but it you know those that era kind of felt like they were referencing everything because the EU was still expanding at that time vastly and and it and everything was becoming interconnected which we love and you know we may be at the start of an era where that that changes slightly I don't know but but um hopefully not but you know that, that some of the books were looking outside of the story to pull other things in very much Whereas I love the the sort of not naivety, but the sort of innocence really of of I mean a lot of people rag on Splinter of the Mind's Eye. I think that book is what that book is. You know, it was written in a time where you didn't know Luke and Leia were brother and sister, and okay, let's let's not go there. But you know, there's something pure about that book. The, the you know the the story, the fact that you only knew what had happened in Star Wars and nothing else. You know, um, uh, and the Solo trilogy. You know, basically Brian Daly was given Han Chewie the Falcon. That's pretty much it. You know, uh, go away and write a story. Don't mention the Empire. Don't mention Darth Vader. Don't mention the Rebellion particularly or any of that, you know. Uh, and look at what he did. An amazing trilogy of books. And uh, I don't think anybody's really captured that, uh, certainly that sort of smuggler underground style. Uh, but a lot of people do refer back to it. And, and Honor Amongst Thieves kind of does as well. It, it sort of touches on that, so which is why I enjoyed blasting through it like I did. <laughs> So this will be our last question for you, Mark, about the the sequel trilogy coming up. Obviously, yeah. with it, the time period that it's going to be set in, it's going to kind of disrupt what we know as the expanded universe as you know as it is. What is kind of your hopes for the future of the expanded universe? As far as are you hoping that they're going to kind of do a full reboot or maybe like a like a multiverse type thing? Do you have any kind of best case scenario? Best case scenario is is fold it in and make it part of what's going on. Um, but I don't see that happening. Um, uh, it's a tough one. I, I for me, um, as somebody who's, who who would buy, I mean, foot spray if it had Star Wars written on it. You know, I'd buy anything with Star Wars written <laughs> on it. I'm a I'm a total shill for Star Wars. A, a huge part of me thinks that if if somebody at Lucasfilm is happy for the name Star Wars to be put on it, then it's Star Wars. Okay, Footspray is a bad example, but but you know if it's a comic or a novel or a, or a flick book or or anything, whatever. And un- understanding that obviously computer games can't be completely canon because of the the, the fact that you can turn your joystick left and your character goes left, and but the story might want to take him right. So I understand there's things like that. Not everything can can fit, but certainly novels and comics. I mean, I know 
people now that the the thing now is oh they were never can they were never canon yeah but you we were happy to accept chronologies and uh, timelines and books that you know like essential guides that folded everything in you know so so whilst it's now very easy to say ah that was never Star Wars in the manner that Star Star Trek novels were never Star Trek. It was always understood that Star Trek novels were based on on Star Trek, whereas Star Wars books always felt like they were much more a part of the of the whole story. And whilst that may not have been the case, I do think it was kind of made to feel like it was the case. You know, certain books will come out like Darth Plagueis. This is an official. This is canon. This is this is this is what happened. You know, and now we're in an era and. You know, hopefully things will get resolved to the point that not everything is thrown out with the bathwater, you know. But but now it's it's kind of feels like everyone's going, ah, oh, it was never that was never what happened. And and I think because of episode seven, and we don't really know where it's going to be set, how far after Jedi it's going to be set. Um, I mean, logically, you've got to think, well, it's got to be three decades because it's three decades since Jedi. So you, my my thoughts are we're we've got to be that far out which kind of does pitch you in, in the middle of some, some EU stuff. And I understand they they don't want to have to refer back to other stuff. But the, I think the logic of, of of kind of capping off the EU to a degree is that they would think people who come and see the films would sit there and go, well, what's what's Bakura? What's who in the Nogri? What, what's this? What's that? You know, uh, as if they wouldn't understand the film because they didn't know what those things were. And yet... You watch any film with any exposition, it will make up stuff in the moment to serve the story that it's telling at the time. And there's so much EU, there's loads of things in the EU that they could use to serve that episode seven story. And it will be just as um, alien or new to 99% of the, of the viewers of the film as making it up. But that one percent, us, we, I, I, I consider the, the Star Wars fandom, the us guys, as the one percent. We would go, oh my god, that's that's from such and such a book. That's from such and such a book. And you start telling people, oh, I didn't get that bit about whatnot. What was that? Well, go and buy this book. It came out fifteen years ago, and all of a sudden, every, everybody's folding back into older stuff, and it's all, it's you know, it's ladle of stuff sort of coming back in and on itself. You know, fantastic it's gravy for us because we know, kind of know it much better than a general sci-fi uh, movie going fan. Yeah, I think um, I think we're in for an interesting time, certainly. Definitely. Okay, so we are now ready to review our first comic of this evening. The title is Darth Vader and the Ninth Assassin. It originally released on November 20th of 2013. The writer was Tim Seidel with artist Stephen Thompson and Ivan Fernandez. The timeline is 19 years before the Battle of Yavin, and the summary is as follows. A ninth assassin, more deadly than the eight who came before, has been hired to murder Darth Vader. Elsewhere, another threat to the Empire has made itself known and will take Vader on a hunt for an ancient evil. All the while, the ninth assassin lurks, waiting for the perfect moment to strike. So we get another Darth Vader and the comic. So... <laughs> What do you guys think about that? Like, I, for me personally, I feel like we we've gotten so many of these Darth Vader centric comics. It's almost getting a little old. And how did you guys feel about that? Is he is he the kind of character that you just can't get enough of, or are you getting tired of it a little bit, like I am? 
No, I think it works out well with, with doing this, doing it this way. It's definitely a, a dark horse thing because back in the day, you know, they did a whole series of Boba Fett no, uh, comics, mostly standalones, you know, and then a couple of four parts. And then and then they did all those Jabba the Hutt ones, which I love those books, those comics. And now they're doing Vader ones because obviously it's post Revenge of the Sith, you know, we've, which is nine years ago, good grief. You know, we've been opened up to, uh, you know, what he did between uh, Sith and, and A New Hope, which is where this falls. Um, I, I love it. I love seeing how the the character has developed and how he he went from the blunt instrument to the sort of the slightly sharper tool uh, of, uh, of a new hope. Um, I think there's definitely um, room for more of these, and it's a shame that Dark Horse probably won't get the chance to tell many more Darth Vader stories. So, yeah, I love it. I um I don't mind it actually. I think Darth Vader for me is kind of an interesting character think for me he's more menacing in everything that I see him in outside of the films because I just recently rewatched all six movies and I realized how in my head he's this amazing bad guy but when I see him on screen at least in A New Hope you know he's not as much of what the portrayal I have in my head so I think what I have in my head has come from like some of these comics and things like that to where I actually really enjoy these stories um just because it sort of makes him even more of an awesome bad guy yeah he's definitely portrayed as more of a menacing character in the comics than he ever was in the movies um at least at least while he has the armor on yeah, he's more of a henchman in 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 a New Hope, isn't he? I mean, Tarkin's definitely the lead bad guy in 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 Star Wars, um, and Vader has his sort of side mission with Ben. But of course, Vader as a character physically and and visually is just so unique and imposing. There was you know once Tarkin was out of the way, then there was only one way to go. But you can understand why why Palpatine would want Tarkin as the as the lead guy and Vader on a not on a not on a leash, but kind of under some kind of management because he does have a habit of of uh, destroying things so yeah and i actually has since we're talking about it i mean i just have a quick question for you guys why do you think that vader continues doing his bidding for the emperor after he finds out that padme's dead and that's what he was trying to prevent anyway why would it even matter anymore i think that's part of it that you know he's broken and yeah. you know that's all he has to live for now <laughs> like really i think the emperor manipulated him and you know obviously things went wrong and i think that's the only thing he knew to turn to that's the only thing he knew yeah totally agree with that he had nowhere else to go i mean and palpatine had just won the war by playing both sides against the middle and 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 that worked but in terms of vader anakin was always his, his big master plan because you know the whole rule of two and all that sort of thing you know needed his apprentice and sets it up so that the last thing that that vader's got to cling to outside of the dark side and and palpatine is the promise of padme you know at least the hope in his mind when he's in his you know um hyperbaric chamber you know thinking oh well at least padme is safe and even that's taken away well actually sorry son but you killed her you know so even that's gone so he's got literally nowhere to go so um why not just take your vengeance and anger out on the galaxy because they've done nothing for you. You know, born a slave, dies a slave, you know, well, you can argue that he, he frees himself in the, in his final moments, but you know, um, yeah, I think that's, that's why he would have pretty much done 
anything and nature of life is that you know he, he would gain knowledge and gain determination and I think that's why Palpatine so cleverly keeps him let's keep Vader out on the outer rim on that nice big star destroyer whilst I sit on, on, alone on Coruscant you know sort of with my my minions here thinking about how to keep the galaxy in in check so yeah yeah I, I understand that it's a good question though but uh, I, I would say that's probably that's probably why he did it so kind of the story of this particular Darth Vader story is that he uh, kills this, you know, this rich industrialist son and the guy goes and hires an assassin to kill Vader. So apparently a number of other assassins have already been sent. Vader has dispatched of them all, but now they find this ninth assassin um, who is pretty confident that he is going to put Vader's head in this guy's lap kind of an interesting character this this industrialist did he did he remind either of you of kind of the look of uh baron papanoida from the clone wars com or yeah. the clone wars show yeah actually yeah plus maybe about 40 pounds but you know kind of that same type <laughs> outfit yeah no very much so i thought that was the my immediate thought was it was very much that uh, that kind of look and uh his demeanor as well, yeah, it was, it was, it was very good, yeah, definitely, definitely touched on that. And so this guy is basically willing to give anything um, because his son has been killed by Vader uh, to kill Vader or to have Vader killed, and the price he ends up having to pay is losing his eyes and his ears, which I don't know, that's a pretty steep price to pay for just about anything. Kind of, uh, I guess it shows the desperation of this man to to get his revenge. Yeah. Usually, usually the phrase isn't it. Usually, oh, I'll give my left arm for that. But there's so many arms been chopped off in Darth Vader-related stories that you probably can't go there. So might as well take his eyes and his ears. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think it. They kind of use that as a real significant. I don't know image to show just how much he wanted revenge, and I think it also kind of serves as sort of a warning for maybe like the kids that are reading it, you know, and not don't let revenge overtake you because then you lose pieces of yourself. <laughs> yeah. So there was kind of like two different storylines going on here. It seemed like, and maybe I was not connecting the dots, but there was this whole thing with this cult that Vader is trying to track down who is trying to assassinate the emperor. And then you have the other storyline of the, of the assassin that's going after Vader. Was there connections with this and I just missed it or was it just two separate things that were going on? Um, I felt like it was disjointed too. So if there were connections, then, you know, I'm, then we're both missing it. But I felt like it was a little bit disjointed, you know, almost like you have, you have two stories going along side by side with each other. Yeah. I like the parallels. I could certainly see the parallels there between the two. Obviously, uh, that's that's the writer's choice, isn't it? But, but uh, yeah, I did, if there was a connection between the two specific storylines, if you like, then then yeah, I didn't quite pick up on that either. Um, but uh, it certainly worked out in in that respect to sort of counterpoint one against the other. And Vader goes to this moon where there is this cult of the the headless snake, and he. He gets there, and the assassin has tracked him down, so the assassin's there as well. Vader's not aware of the assassin. And he goes into this temple, and he sees these kind of these crazy people that live there, and they think that Vader is this, you know, somebody that has been foretold by their, 
I guess, by the their ancestors. And they think that he is going to come and le- lead their army and such. Um, kind of interesting. Uh, I thought there was some parallels there as well to the old Gendi Clone Wars, where you have the the Vader written in hier- hieroglyphics. Yeah. My, my, the parallel I thought was, was Anakin once again going somewhere and having lots of people tell him that he was part of a prophecy, which he must have had since he was a little kid. You know, there's been prophecies about Anakin or Vader for for years at this point. So I, I don't think that would have particularly surprised him. So I thought that was that was uh, something that jumped out at me. So Vader doesn't necessarily take these people very seriously, which I thought was kind of comical because they're telling him, you know, all this stuff. And then he basically is just like, no, I'm not, you know, I'm not this person. And you guys are defying the Empire. So get ready to be defeated. And he basically... <laughs> He uh, starts just killing them and steals the, the focusing stone from the, the giant laser that they had in their temple. Is this, is this meant to be something to do with the Death Star laser, or is this something else? Yeah, I, I got the impression it was part of the... Of, uh, of, I can't, I can't, I'm, not, I'm not fully au fait with the technology of the Death Star, but I'm assuming there's some kind of focusing crystal like, a, like you would have on a lightsaber, so... My 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 take on it was that this was a small part of the story. Was you know, obviously you see that um, uh, Star Destroyer get taken out by that massive beam of uh, of energy, and and that probably has something. Well, it does have something to do with this. And again, very reminiscent of, of the Death Star laser. So just to, to a small degree, folds in with with you know the construction of the, of the Death Star. So yeah, it, that, that's how it read to me. Certainly, yeah. Yeah, I would say the same. That I definitely picked up on it. Um, I don't know if it was intended, you know, to to be that way, or if it was just something that occurred. I would assume that it was something that was intended. Yeah, that, that was my impression, definitely. So in the end, the when the assassin finally attacks Vader, I thought it was a little disappointing that Vader you know, pretty much dispatches of him without, with very little effort. And I was kind of hoping for a bigger matchup. This guy was so confident that he was going to be able to take, take Vader down, but it really, you know, Vader didn't really have that much trouble with him. Yeah. You know, um, that's something that they kind of show in the comics. There doesn't really seem to be consistency with Vader and sort of how strong he is or how, you know, how menacing I guess he is. And so it seems like from storyline to storyline that kind of differs. I don't know if you've noticed that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, sometimes the thing I like, stroke, dislike about these Darth Vader comics uh, is that sometimes he's... But then again, I guess this serves the character of what we know post-Revenge of the Sith. Sometimes he's all business. He's Darth Vader. You can hear James Hill Jones's voice. No messing around, you know. He's going in, thump, 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 and gets the job done. Um, that's how um, Last Command felt to me. Felt like it was Vader. He was on it. He was on point. He was on it, you know. With with other subtleties in the story, but that's how that came across to me. Um, whereas with this one, um, you know, and and certainly, you know, in this one, he's not messing around. You know, he takes that that assassin out at the end pretty quickly, like he would. I mean, it's it's Anakin. We know he's he's not a fully operational chosen one, but he's as close as you're going to get. So, you know, there's not that many people in the galaxy 
who could hope to to live with him and and you know they've, they've been, like you say they built up this assassin quite nicely you know you, you see him in the background of a lot of the action throughout the previous sort of few issues of the comic and there he is and it's a cool looking character as well it's a great design um but when it comes to the crunch yeah you know there's there's not that many characters that could hope to to live with vader so um it was disappointing but not entirely surprising so yeah, I thought the title of the comic, I guess, was a little bit misleading because it it makes it seem like the the entire comic is going to be about Darth Vader and the Ninth Assassin, but it's really more about Darth Vader and the Headless Snake more than the the Ninth Assassin. I think they were kind of the main plot point, and the Assassin was just almost in the background almost the entire comic. Yeah, no, I agree. But well, I, I always say title... that about I say that about comics all the time. Titles never seem to actually fit, and neither does cover art. <laughs> but Dar- that's Darth very Vader. true. Darth Vader and the Ninth Assassin sounds much cooler than Darth Vader and the Headless Snake Cult. So. It does. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they made a good decision, I guess. But um, they did. But I guess in the end, we find out that the the Emperor actually kind of set him up and was just trying to test Vader's loyalty throughout the entire thing, which we've seen in other EU works. It seems to be a a pretty common storyline to tell is how the Emperor continues to test Vader and test his loyalty. So uh, not a very... It's understandable, though. It's understandable, Aaron, given given what we said about earlier about uh, um, Teresa's question about why would Vader stick around if he knew Padme was dead. I I assume, I would think, the logic is that, that the Emperor would not entirely think the same because he's enthralled to the dark side as well, but he's kind of steering the ship more than Vader is. But he's got to he's got to test him. He's got to still keep his um, his minion in 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 you know in control. And um, you think of the the trials and tortures that he put Darth Maul through. Never put Anakin through any of that. Didn't have to. But but there's still a sadistic edge to to Palpatine. He loved. You look at him in that scene from Revenge of the Sith when he tells Vader that Padme's dead. He's loving it. He's grinning his face off. He loves it. And he still loves pushing his button and twisting the knife, even though he's a huge part of making Anakin anyway. You know, he's he's that just that kind of character. So I think that, that also says a lot about the Emperor as much as it says about Vader and his pro- progress towards, you know, where Palpatine wants him to go. So kind of overall thoughts, what did you guys think about this comic? Did you like it? Did you enjoy the story? Were you a fan of the art? Um, Teresa, I guess you can go first. Um, yeah, I like the story. I mean, again, you know, as you said, the title was a little misleading. I, I thought it was a uh, fun and easy read, and the art was okay for me. It wasn't um, my favorite style that I've seen in a Darth Vader comic before, but, you know, I definitely liked it enough. Yeah, I liked it. I loved the cover art. Thought the cover arts were fantastic. I enjoyed the interior art. I think it, it was it it was uh, sort of quick moving kind of style, and and really nicely blocked out. I, I liked the uh, a lot of the decisions that the artist made. Uh, and uh, yeah, there's some very iconic sort of Vader images in there. And uh, yeah, I liked it. The coloring was was uh, top drawer as well. So yeah, I did enjoy it. It, it had a, a kind of an old school Star Wars feel about it. So so I did like that. Yeah, overall I liked the story as well. It was it was a fun story, interesting characters. There was a couple things about it that, you know, I took issue with the the storyline, the ending especially was very just similar to other stuff I had already read about Vader. Um, 
you know, I was hoping that there would be more of a battle with the assassin, like I was saying before. But, you know, those are just small things. Overall, I thought the story was very enjoyable. And the I really liked the art as well. I thought the art was very well done. More my style of, of comic book art. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say this was a, a pretty good one overall. Yeah, I think my uh, my view on art has changed a little bit since we had the Ewoks comic and <laughs> stuff like that. So. Not everything can look like Ewoks, Teresa. But they're so <laughs> cute. <laughs> you wanted the assassin to have these big eyes. Yes. A furry face. <laughs> but um, <laughs> That would be quite cool. Uh, I could just see that. When the mask comes off and it's just a big furry Ewok. That would be really big... cool. <laughs> that would have been a, more, a better surprise ending. <laughs> so. But, um, it would have been definitely been a surprise. <laughs> before we move on to our next review, I know we're reviewing uh, the legacy comics that you actually haven't had a chance to read yet, Mark. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to bow out gracefully at this point if you don't want to be spoiled, and uh, or you can stick around and listen to us talk about it. I, I shall bow out gracefully because I would love to to uh, read this. I feel terrible for not having had time and chance to read it. As I say, we've got a good team of uh, reviewers at Jedi News, and they've. Uh, They've had this one covered for me, so uh, but I do need to go away and read it. And I'm sorry I never got a chance to read it before doing this tonight. I feel really foolish for not getting uh, getting around to doing it. So, oh, no problem at all. But before you leave, if you have anything that you want to uh, let our listeners know about, any projects that you're working on or anything cool uh, that you can share. Oh, well, well, one thing I will say is that anybody who's even thinking about doing your bookworms thing, get on it and do it, because I think I'm going to try and join in on that as well. Um, you've uh, you got a cracking show here, and I, I do enjoy listening to it, So, uh, and I'm very pleased to have finally managed to get on. So, um, And apologies for not, not, again, not having a chance to read everything you've uh, you've requested me to read, but uh, I'll make sure I'm, if you ever have me back, I'll make sure I'm fully up to speed. But um, yeah, um, hopefully, I think by the time this comes out, um, the latest Radio 1138 should be, uh, should be out there as well so uh, uh have a listen to that obviously jedi news uh i've got another official blog entry coming out within the next couple of days uh over at stoles.com so fingers crossed that'll be there and uh i think you guys have already got issue 148 of the insider but anybody who's listening from the uk that should be out within the next few days as well so there's uh, there's plenty of good stuff in there so yeah busy busy as ever but all good well it's always a pleasure to talk to you mark where can people find you online you can find me at uh, jedinews.co.uk. Uh, you can see me on Twitter at jedinews2010. That tends to be where I hang out the most. Um, and that feels like it's 24-7 at the moment, but it's all good fun. Um, and, yeah, as I say, uh, over at stoles.com on the official blog. And, uh, yeah, various other places I poke my head up occasionally. So keeping busy. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, Mark. And uh, you have a you have a great night or morning, I guess for you absolutely yeah back back to bed now back to bed for me <laughs> so but thank you again and we'll we'll share lunch again soon Aaron. we'll do that all right <laughs> take care bye see ya bye and our second comic that we're reviewing is legacy volume two book one prisoner of the floating world it originally released november 20th 2013 and the writers on it were karina bechko and gabriel hardman the artist was gabriel hardman and the timeline was 138 years after the Battle of Yavin, and the publisher's summary is as follows. Anya Solo is just a girl trying to make her way in the galaxy and have a little adventure along the way. But when she stumbles upon a broken communications droid and a missing lightsaber, a little adventure turns into a whole lot of trouble for Anya and her friends. So we finally get the story, or I guess the 
Is this the first official solo that we've gotten in the Legacy comics? I don't know. I haven't read a lot of the Legacy comics. I've just read the ones that we've covered. I think there was other characters who were, you know, related to the Solos, but I think this is the first character with the actual last name of Solo. I could be wrong, but I think that's the case. But um, it's kind of cool to finally get this character. You know, in the in the other Legacy comics, we have Cade Skywalker, so it's kind of the Skywalker's legacy. So to see the Solo's legacy in this in this girl, you know, I thought it was kind of cool. And actually... I really like the character. I think she's really cool. Like one of my favorite like original new characters from the comics in a long time. So how did you feel about her? I actually felt the exact same way. I love her look. I love the way that they, you know, gave her just this awesome personality. She was extremely captivating and you know, I could read stories about her all day long. I wouldn't even be opposed to them having a novel about her, which obviously is never going to happen. But it would still be so cool. I don't know. I, I wouldn't say never. I think she is a really interesting character. And, you know, they had the the Kara Holt, you know, novel as well as the comics. And it, it's not impossible that a character from the comics could transfer over into the novels. And it's set far enough into the future that it wouldn't conflict with, you know, the new movies, um, you know, as far as we know. So I don't think it's impossible that we could get an Anya solo novel eventually. True. Um, you know, it would be kind of funny if she ends up being like the main female, um, character in the new movies. Well, yeah, I mean, there is the, you know, rumors that the, the main protagonist would be a female and, you know, it would be kind of an odd choice to pull from something like this, but, it, even if the character wasn't named Anya Solo, but they had a very similar kind of feel to the character, I would totally be on board with that. I think uh, it's kind of a cool idea that this daughter, or you know, not daughter, but like whatever, great 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 granddaughter, granddaughter. of Leia, um, you know, it doesn't seem like she has force powers. Maybe they're you know inside her somewhere, and she just hasn't let them out yet. But it's kind of a different take than we've seen so far of the the Solo Skywalker clan. Yeah, she just needs to let it go and let him come out. All right, let that's my go. Disney re- my Disney reference. For I thought you were going to break out in the song. <laughs> no, although most people would probably think that I would, but I don't need to sing. <laughs> but um, yeah. So, I mean, really, overall, this comic. I'm just going to say it right now. I really, really liked this comic, like way more than I expected to. I really enjoyed almost every character that they introduced. Um, the storyline I really liked. I thought it was original and even the artwork and everything. So I pretty much am only going to have good things to say about it. But for you, Teresa, did you, how did you feel about it overall? No, I'm the exact same way. We're going to be a completely biased, um, reviewing team right now because (laughs) we both loved it. Um, there was just a lot of things about it. This, like you said, the storyline was just so different from things that I've read in the comics. A lot of times in comic books, we get sort of the same repeated story over and over, just told in different ways with different characters. And this was definitely not that. Um, there was just also the artwork. The artwork for me had just this really kind of, gorgeous color palette and just things about it that I, you know, just loved actually looking at the cells themselves and just looking through it without even reading it. And I think I actually did that. I flipped through it just looking at all the, all the art for, you know, the first time before I actually read it. 
Yeah, it kind of had like a gritty feel to it. The the artwork did. It wasn't really clean lines, mm-hmm. but just just kind of a gritty feel, and a little bit off of what you would typically expect from comic comic book art. But yeah, I really I thought it was good. It it fit the perfect. It fit the story perfectly. The comic art did. Anytime there's something about a comic book that sort of breaks the mold, I think that's when I find that I really enjoy it. I guess kind of the story is, you know, they have this this Jedi that's being sent on a mission. He crash lands on a planet. He ends up fighting against a Sith where they, you know, they think the Sith have been defeated, but apparently some have have lived and are, you know, out on this in this planet. Um, he ends up getting captured and you know, through different events, Anya finds his lightsaber in this droid. So, you know, kind of fast forwarding here a little bit. But, you know, I thought it was kind of a cool way to start out the comic. You get right into the action. There's a, a really great lightsaber battle. Um, I love the look of Imperial Knights. I think it's like one of the coolest things that the legacy comics have introduced to the Star Wars universe is this idea of these Imperial Knights, these Jedi-like uh, characters that actually, you know, work for the Empire. And with their red armor, and I just I think they look so cool. Yeah, no, I would agree, and I think that having a lightsaber battle right at the beginning is a really cool way to draw in your audience. And I think sometimes we run into two things in comics: we run into option one being a whole lot of dialogue and not enough action to really get you, you know, hooked into seeing what happens next, or you get way too much action done in sort of an over-the-top kind of way that you almost kind of like it sort of pushes you away from the comic because it's too much and so I think there is a good balance especially at the beginning and I do like the concept of the Imperial Knight but seeing as how I haven't read a whole lot of the legacy comics and stuff like that I don't think I have as strong of an opinion as you do about them but um, I definitely think it's a cool idea Definitely. And I know the novels, um, the Fate of the Jedi novels, were kind of starting to hint toward the establishment of the Imperial Knights. And there was starting to be connections from the novels into the comics. And, you know, that, you know, has kind of been broken at this point because it doesn't look like we're going to get any more novels in that era for quite a while, if ever. So it is kind of sad to see that they were never actually able to connect those dots and show us, you know, how the, the Imperial Knights were actually established. Mm hmm. And really sad just in general that this comic, you know, this comic book storyline, Legacy Volume 2 starring Anya Solo, it's going to end because of the buyout, because of, or not the buyout, but the license transferring over to Marvel. You know, most likely Marvel's not going to pick up these old storylines. They're going to want to come up with their own original concepts. So we might see the end of this, you know, much sooner than we want to. No, I agree. I think it's going to get cut off at the knees and that kind of stinks. But I don't know if it's so much Marvel getting, you know, the ability to make up their stories that they want to. I think it's going to be Marvel doing whatever Disney says is okay. (laughs) Yeah, let's, man, I really hope that Marvel doesn't really water down Star Wars. I know we've talked about this in past episodes, but, you know, just this is a perfect example of what Dark Horse does well. No, it is. It's comics like this. And it's like, uh, I'm so scared that we're losing. We will lose these type of stories when we go to to Marvel. Yeah, but we'll just have to see. we got to be positive and um, hope that we get more like this. Um, Did you have sort of a favorite part of this particular comic? I would say um, the characters I just thought were so well done. And some of my favorite characters, um, 
you know, I love the assassin droid, the AG-37. Mm-hmm. has nothing to do with the fact that he shares my initials, but I thought <laughs> <laughs> it would have been really uncanny if the if it was AG and then the, the, the number was my age. It's a few years off of my age, but if it was like that, then I would have been like, oh, this, this is so cool. They totally named that character after me. But no, I actually um, thought that too when I when I was reading it. I was like, "Oh, it's an Aaron droid." <laughs> the Aaron Goins thirty-seven, but yeah, and he's tall and lanky too. So but, there's um, nothing you can associate thirty-seven with with yourself. Not really. Um, <laughs> it's, it's close to my. In three years, it'll be my age. So um, in three well, years, I'll, I'll go back had... and read this comic in three years, and then I will then I will say that it's me. But but I I thought he was an awesome character. I loved that character. Um, probably my favorite character from the comic. Uh, I love how he's wearing a jacket for no reason. You know, why, <laughs> yeah. why, why would a droid need a jacket? I guess maybe to keep the dust out of his joints. I guess you could really, you could explain it that way, but you know, he looks kind of cool in that, in that jacket and he's a bit of a hero, you know, he's, he saves Anya on more than one occasion. Uh, so I thought it was, uh, he was a cool character. The, the Imperial Knight that they sent, you know, to kind of check up on the missing, the other, Imper- the missing Imperial Knight. J.O. Assam, I guess is probably how you pronounce it. That guy was really cool. Um, her little friend, the little Mon Cala guy, was mm-hmm. interesting. You know, every character I thought was really good. So I I guess there's not really a favorite part of the comic more than just the characters is my favorite part of the comic. Yeah, I'd actually have to agree with you too because I really liked her Mon Cala friend. I don't even know how to say his name. Why do they have to make comic book characters with such hard names? I guess it's like I'm gonna, Sock. I'm going to call him Sock. Like, sock. Um, you know, I really like Mon Calamari, so I really love that. And just like you, I, I did rather enjoy the droid. So, you know, I for me, I think that it was a combination between the actual storyline and it being a very intriguing storyline and one that kept me reading. And that's very important for a comic for me because sometimes, you know, I won't be very interested in it. I'll read it until the end, but I may not actually care but I did care in this one and characters so you know it's a it's an even balance between the two you have to have both um you can't have a good story without good characters definitely and these are characters that I want to know more about you know I'm so you know kind of how the comic ends with this battle with the Sith or yeah the Sith imposter he's pretending to be the Imperial Knight and then they end up having this battle with him and it looks like he basically almost kills everybody Mm-hmm. And I was just like, when I saw him cut uh, AG in half, I was like, no, like they just killed my favorite droid. <laughs> but um, luckily, droids can easily be repaired. So it was good to see that everyone made it through the comic, even even though there were some injuries, uh, you know, everyone lived and, you know, we'll see these characters, you know, continue on. So I was I was happy to see that. Yeah. And I want to know more about um, Anya's backstory a little bit. And so, OK, just refresh my memory because I don't know um, this, but are we we're getting more before the license is over, right? Of this, definitely there is. Okay. I believe two more volumes that will be coming out. If cool. not, I think that's it. Two more. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's definitely more stories that we'll be reviewing, and uh, we'll get some more, you know, stories with Anya. I don't know if there will be any kind of finality to it. Maybe because they know it's coming to an end, they'll be able to kind of make it final even though they might not have been planning on that. But yeah, so I agree with you on wanting to know more about her history and how she kind of separated off of the Solo clan um, 
you know, she she's this junk dealer now. And the solos, the last we see them in the the novels, are very much, you know, kind of the elite, you know, you know, people in the galaxy. So how did she go so far away? And you know, she actually refers to them as royalty. So mm-hmm. so it's interesting. Something's going on there. <laughs> so yeah, I'd be really want to find out kind of more about her, and maybe we will in the next couple volumes uh, when we get to them. Sounds good. So overall opinion. Yeah, I think we kind of both have already stated our overall <laughs> opinions. I, I I was very impressed with this comic. Uh, wasn't expecting to like it this much. Uh, actually like it much more than the legacy comics with Cade Skywalker. I think Anya is a much more interesting character than Cade. Cade is similar to characters that we've seen in the past with, you know, Anakin uh, Skywalker and kind of how he had to deal with the dark side. And then you have Jason Solo and, you mm-hmm. know, just all these characters yeah. that kind of have that struggle. And it's kind of... It's, this is a different take on the Solo Skywalker legacy, um, and I, I really liked it. There's really nothing about this comic I could complain about, so, yeah. I think it was very refreshing. That's the word I'll use. It was a refreshing look at the Solos slash Skywalkers. Definitely. All right. Well, we have come to the end of our show. So remember, you can still get in on the Star Wars Bookworms Book Club as well as, well, I guess not the giveaway because this is going to come out when the giveaway's done. But if you're listening, head on over to Facebook to see who won because we will be announcing it there. And um, I guess on Twitter too, probably. So let's see. On our next episode, we're going to be reviewing Mall Lockdown. I am so excited. <laughs> Have you finished the book or... I haven't. I'm going to be reading it while I'm on travels. Okay. Um, so that will, is something I'm going to be doing in my downtime when I'm not watching Clone Wars episodes. Um, and I think we have a pretty cool guest lined up to help us review that novel if uh, if everything works out. So I won't say who it is yet just in case something falls through. But as of now, we have a pretty cool guest lined up. Definitely. So start reading it now if you haven't read it yet so you can listen to our next episode. And if you want to find us on the interwebs, we are at SW Bookworms on Twitter. You can send us an email with any feedback that you have for us or just to say hi. It's StarWarsBookworms at gmail.com. And like us on Facebook, and you, that is where you get a lot of the latest updates on things that are Star Wars books and comic news, because that's where we post it. And we would really like it if you would go and leave us a five-star review over on iTunes. That will really help the show, especially with all the cool stuff that we're doing. Um, and I think, and Aaron, I haven't told you about this, but I may have something for another giveaway here in maybe a couple months. So it's nice. very exciting. So if you want to find Aaron, he's at AV Goins on Twitter. And if you want to find me, I'm at Ice Cold Penguin on Twitter. Any last words, Aaron? Nope. All right. Well, as always, keep on reading and may the force be with you. Keep on reading. I like the, I don't know. the addition to it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just came out. That's what happens when I'm sleeping. We switched up the intro and then we switched up the outro. Okay, this is Teresa Delgado. I'm here with Aaron Alston at Star Wars Reads Day. Aaron, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm great. Um, what made you want to do an event for Star Wars Reads Day? Uh, well, the first time I had actually heard that there was going to be such an event, a nationwide event, was when they asked me to participate. 
and I thought, well, sure, you know, I, I love uh, I love uh, bookstore and library events and encouraging people to read, so this seemed like an ideal thing to do. How did you end up here in Austin, Texas, of all places? Well, I live in Round Rock, and I've lived in the Austin area since 1979, so this is basically my home base. Very cool. Um, there was recently an article that came out on Tor.com, a science fiction website, and they were speculating that in the Star Wars universe, the characters themselves appear to seem illiterate because we never see them read. What are your thoughts on that? Well, in the expanded universe, which is to say the, um, the uh, comic books and the books and the novels and so forth, uh, we do establish that there is reading. In fact, uh, in this latest uh, book that I wrote, Mercy Kill, I've established that pilot Wedge Antilles has just finished his memoirs, uh, a book called Ace in the Hole. Uh, and I've uh, had other events where, uh, where characters do reading, uh, either reading for entertainment or for you know, practical purposes, on, uh, on data pads, which are the equivalent of you know, many notebook computers. So um, it is established in the expanded universe that there is uh, plenty of reading going on. It's just, uh, it's just that's not what the stories are focusing on. Yep. Um, is there anything you'd like to share about your most recent novel with um, the Star Wars community that maybe we don't know already about it? Really, uh, I think that almost everything I've said has gone out there into fandom. Uh, it's a, um, you know, it was a lot of fun to write. It was actually very hard to write because that's probably something I haven't talked about, which is uh, I didn't realize it was going to be this way, but but uh, after switching away from Legacy of the Force and Fate of the Jedi and turning back to the Race Squadron, which is pretty much uh, all original characters, nobody from the movies, um, I expected that there would be kind of a lessening of, um, of uh, pressure and, and stress from uh, fan expectations. And in fact, there was more, simply because the, the, the fandom for the X-Wing series is so strong and so vocal. So I, uh, I uh, experienced quite a lot of stress from that. Uh, you know, got through the novel okay in spite of it, but it was kind of unexpected. Uh, but that's about the only thing that hasn't come up in discussions about the book so far. Okay, well, thank you very much. Well, thank you for having me.